really the goal is just to use our stories to bring veterinary medicine to life for the pet caretakers of the world. Uh, and we're doing it because we believe that educating these caretakers is the most powerful thing that we can do to improve the life quality of all of the pets that we love. Hi, it's Dr. Natalie Keith. Dr. Josiah Dame. And this is Vet Tales. Good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon or evening, as I sometimes say. Yes. It's morning for us. Um, we're going to talk about... The thyroid. The thyroid. And cats will get some discussion today. Yeah, cats are going to be the highlight of the discussion, in fact. We're going to touch... Well, I think we should start with dogs. It's just easier. Because it's just easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so dogs, and the dogs are going to be a little more comparable to human medicine. Yeah. Um, as they tend to be hypothyroid, mm-hmm. which is what, you know, more, is more common in people. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't know that there is, like, really hyperthyroidism in dogs unless they... I've had a couple, but they've all been cancer. Yeah, I like tumors. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thyroid. Yes, um, but extremely rare and... Uh, or iatrogenic, which is a fancy word to say. We caused it. Oh, yeah. It happens. Yes. And so we can discuss that. Later. Yeah, we can. Um, yeah, well, let's just... Um, I mean, yeah, we can talk about how that happens or why it happened because of the process the pet was going down. Exactly. So, yeah, so... Um, Hypothyroidism. These dogs are typically chubby, uh, but a lot of dogs are chubby and normal thyroids. Um, a lot of times they will have chronic recurrent skin infections, dry, flaky skin, itchy, getting hair, ear, loss. hair loss. Yeah, that bilateral, like so over both sides, they'll have like a symmetrical hair loss pattern over the, like their kind of back slash yeah. behind the ribs kind of naked tails naked tails yeah they'll get the the tail the top of their tail being naked um but a lot of times not abnormal skin underneath it like mm-hmm. it'll be really really healthy skin mm-hmm. looking stuff uh and just no hairs growing there like pattern baldness essentially yeah heat seeking so they tend to be oh, like yeah. cold so mm-hmm. they'll be like right on top of you or they'll always want to be next to some kind of, some kind of heat source because they're not regulating temperature very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of times they don't have a ton of energy. Yes. So I feel like that's, yeah, I mean, and that that's relatable, I think, to people. Like, they'll feel real, if their mm-hmm. thyroid's low, they feel real sluggish and mm-hmm. just, like, sleepy, yep. you know, weak almost. What, de- like, demographic do we see? The dogs? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're going to be... Typically large breed dogs, typically middle to older age. Yeah. So um, classic would be um, a golden retriever that's like mm. seven. Yep. You know. I think the labs often. The labs, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Boxers occasionally. I've had a couple of boxers over the years and some bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Gotta love the bulldogs. But it could be anybody. It could be. Yeah, it really can be. Um, but so they, um, a lot of times owners will actually come in wondering if their pet's thyroid is low because their pet is chubby. <laughs> that's that's usually the, the, the thing that brings up the question, can you check my dog's thyroid? Because yeah. he's fat. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be like, let's start a diet, and then in 30 days, if we're still <laughs> not losing yeah. weight, then we'll check the thyroid. Especially if they have no other, like, skin issues or yeah. hair loss or any other symptoms. I'm like, I think this may be diet. Yeah, let's, like, lifestyle treats, see what happens first. It's so hard. we'll run the thyroid. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. So mm-hmm. we have those dogs that are hairless, <laughs> losing hair, uh, 
<laughs> I almost said depressed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're not depressed. They're they're lethargic. They're moving slow. They are warm-seeking um, behaviors. And then we do the thyroid test, which the screening test is a total thyroid um, that we can do in-house. Yeah. Um, and if it comes back abnormal, which would be less than one, um, then we typically would recommend doing a free T4 to confirm um, hypothyroidism. Yeah. Though I do feel like there are some situations where like it's super, super, super low on the total T4. Yeah. And the symptoms are just like, symptoms are just, yeah. But, um, typically gold standard, we will be doing a free T4 following, which is warranted because I've had one that was a really, really chubby dog just two weeks ago who I was like, Hey, let's do the free T4 less than one. And then I was like, okay, let's send off the free T4. And I was like, like, I was like, this is slam dunk. I was hyping myself up. I (laughs) I caught this (laughs) (laughs) and it came back normal. And I was like, well, good thing we didn't start treatment. So the free T4 is very important. Um, and most of the time we do send that off. Yeah. The downside of the free T4 is it's freaking expensive. It is. And that's, I think that's why hypothyroidism is so wildly overdiagnosed because for starters, the thyroid level in a dog is very cyclical. So mm-hmm. at any point during the day, they could be normal and then low. low yeah. And so it, it could be normal for them to be low at a certain yeah. time. And that's why the free T4 is imperative, but it's so expensive yeah. to send out. How much did it cost here? Um, I think our cost, it's, I think for us to send it out, it was two hundred dollars. Dad gum, yeah, that's a lot. Or two thirty. Yeah, it's, it's so much. It's really expensive. Um, but if you find out your dog's normal, then you didn't spend a ton of money on levothyroxine and thyroid rechecks. Exactly. So I like, I like to follow rules. I'm a rule follower. I yeah, like to is. do my free T four after I get a low total thyroid. Mm-hmm. That is the process I like to follow, um, and and the process. I go with and gold standard, whatever. Blah, Absolutely. Blah, blah. But, um, yeah, because you can make these dogs hyperthyroid if you're treating them and they don't need to be treated. Exactly. And you get the, you know, there's something called euthyroid sick syndrome. So you can just have a cyclical low dog, like that, mm-hmm. that fat dog that I saw that one day, um, Chubby, um, <laughs> who I ran that test on. It had a low total T4. I sent off the free T4. It was normal. There's also situations where you have something called euthyroid sick syndrome where your dog is sick from a different disease process and the total T4 is falsely lowered. Yeah. Um, and so that's another situation where um, sometimes I'll be like, okay, look, we're checking a thyroid, just check a thyroid, it's low. And I usually will tell people, I'm like, there's this other disease going on, I assume this is fake. Yeah. This is your thyroid. Yeah. Let's send off the free T4 to confirm because yeah. we need to treat hypothyroidism if we have it. Yeah, and there's the study that they did, they did a study on um, sick dogs with euthyroid sick syndrome where they supplemented the thyroid to bring it back into normal range while the pet was sick and they actually stayed sicker longer. Yeah. So you can <clears throat> decrease the body's ability to fight infection by artificially increasing the thyroid level because the body dropped it for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a fever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they it's tell like you, this is a good fever, don't treat. Yeah, exactly, because it helps support the immune system, uh, because essentially dropping that thyroid is slowing down your metabolic rate, and therefore you're losing less energy during the process where you're devoting all energies towards fighting disease. Yeah, can you tell I have a (laughs) one-year-old? Good fevers. (laughs) This is a good fever. Yeah. (laughs) There's just no such thing when you're a mom. And I'm like, but he's miserable. (laughs) I know. I've never had a fever and been like, oh, this is good. this is a good one. Let's not. (laughs) I'm like... 
I'm yeah, like, but he's miserable. So I'm like 98.7. <laughs> I need some Tylenol. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. All right, okay. So that's basically thyroidism in dogs. Um, you know, what we do then essentially is put them on a supplement to, mm-hmm. when we've confirmed that they're truly hypothyroid, we put them on a supplement, and then we monitor their thyroid level to make sure that that dose is what that dog needs. Some mm-hmm. dogs need more or less depending on the severity of their hypothyroidism, which can change over time. So it's important that we recheck those levels intermittently. But typically, we um, don't have to send out the expensive test for that. We just... T4. Yeah, we just do the total T4 at a specific time of day when we know kind of when the thyroid supplement's going to be at its peak and get an idea of where this dog is sitting. And it's the most annoying like it thyroid so monitoring thyroid is annoying for the owner i know and for for me yeah and i usually say i'm sorry all although all endocrine diseases quite frankly are annoying because to monitor it's like turning on a shower and you want to get like the perfect warmth mm-hmm. of water and then it's like too hot too cold and so we see you back quite a bit until we get it regulated well enough yeah and then we go to the every six months from there yeah um, and <clears throat> we'll obviously factor in like okay you know clinically we're doing really really well even though this isn't the perfect number because we're not treating a number we'll, we'll maybe potentially say we're controlled like mm-hmm. our, our symptoms are controlled even though you know this isn't the perfect range that i would like to be in we're going to call it there yep. and then recheck in six months. Yeah, I was like, um, that. I rechecked a dog for you. You ha- It was a black lab. Mm-hmm. I forget, yes. maybe eight years old? Yes, and like there? hairless. When ha- I first saw yes, it, yeah. Hairless and, yeah. and large. And I walked in and I said... 115-pound Labrador. Yeah, I think it had been seen for skin stuff a couple times, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I went... I let's check thyroid. I don't think this is I all have a y'all like hunchy hunch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think y'all are feeding that many treats because yeah. he it was like one fifteen, one twenty, yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh, it, what I call it, a walking ottoman. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. You could have a whole breakfast spread on the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so then they, so we started him on the supplements after confirming his hypothyroidism, put him on the supplements, but they kept missing their appointments to recheck yeah. his thyroid. <laughs> God love him. I get it. And so we just kept refilling it. And then we're like, eventually we're like, no, like we've got to recheck this. So there, we have, we have not actually rechecked him, but he's been on, cause that's coming up in two weeks. Cause when he came in for his recheck, they had run out of medicine a week you prior. You have to be on the pills. If you're not on the pills, I can't tell yeah. you if the pill is working. <laughs> and so essentially we refilled it again. They're going to come in in two weeks. But in that three month period of uh, this whole situation going on, the dog has regrown his hair and lost 15 <laughs> pounds. It's been like a month. And they changed now. nothing else mm-hmm. except for giving him this pill. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. I, those are my favorite rooms when I oh, walk back great. in. And I'm so like, rewarding. Let's do it. Let's send out the free T4. But guess what? Yeah. And so I also I had another one recently. Um, she's a patient that we've had since she was a, a young one, and all of a sudden she, I don't know, she's probably six, seven now. All of a sudden starts losing her hair like crazy mm-hmm. and is dry and flaky and so forth. She did not gain any weight, mm-hmm. but had this dry, flaky, weird. Uh, coat brittle and I was like mm, I think you might be hypothyroid and sure enough she was we put her on the supplement and um, she is um, almost completely back to normal yeah, now awesome. so I didn't send out the free T4 because owner was like 
And yeah. I was like, okay, well, let's just try it. Yeah. And so that we, happens. yeah, and, and that's okay. Like, this goes back to the podcast we had last time. Like, sometimes it's like $200 is nothing I can do. And so you monitor response to treatment. Mm-hmm. So not gold standard, but certainly manageable. And mm-hmm. in this particular case was still very effective. Yeah. And then another tale is I, me and Dr. Estep both kind of have tag team this, but we had a patient come back for the recheck and it had started to drop here and lose weight. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so. Cause a different doctor had initially seen that mm-hmm. pet and it came in to, to was to either her. you or, or Dr. Estep I think first. Dr. Estep saw it first and Dr. Estep re-ran a total T4 and we were hyperthyroid. So that's what we call iatrogenic hyperthyroidism meaning it was caused by accident through the medication. So the dose, though it may have been great when we first started, was too much um, later on. Yeah, as the pet loses weight or as its thyroid starts to kind of wake back up or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is, um, because that dog's thyroid hadn't been rechecked for like, I don't know, a long time. I don't remember what the record said. Yeah, and she was hairless and she was losing weight and she looked like a hyperthyroid cat almost. (laughs) Yeah. So we... This and for them, we had to recheck often because we had to not only we we stepped back on the dose a lot, and then we were too low, and then we had to slowly kind of make our way back, back up to, to normal. an appropriate dose. Which is how you have to deal with hyper like if you accidentally overdo your insulin dose in diabetics, it's mm-hmm. the same process. You have to go back to baseline and yep. work your way back up. Yep. So fun, so fun for everybody. Anyway, yeah, that's hypothyroidism in dogs. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a good segue into cats. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So cats are gonna be hyperthyroid. Um, so typically on presentation, people will be like, we're just a ravenous eater. We, um, our coat doesn't look great anymore. It's not shiny. We kind of look like a Muppet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with the little triangulated hair patches, yeah, yeah. and just not not thrifty, and then um, just eating ravenously, losing weight, or like yeah, the weight loss is a big yeah. one, and my, they always think it's diabetes. Mm-hmm. My favorite presentation is always we vomit like once a week, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, if you're above the age of well, any cat, I'm gonna be like, let's also check a thyroid mm-hmm. because that like infrequent vomiter we got to check the test especially when they're a good eater and losing weight Mm -hmm. um that's classic yeah and so we'll do full lab work so a cbc comprehensive and then on that comprehensive sometimes you see a mild elevation of liver values which is another cue in to maybe we're hyperthyroid and then you run your total t4 and it's above four it like sometimes like 20 yeah my my brother's cat was like 20 yeah above 20 mm-hmm. um it was greater than 20 it didn't read um and so at that point you go all right we got a diagnosis yep and then we start our pill which um or or there's a couple things you could do so many you can which that's evidence of like what's the best way yeah when there's so many when there's so many treatment options so there's a pill called methimazole. There's also a topical administration called methimazole, which you would put on the ear through one of our pharmacies. You can do um, radiation therapy of the thyroid. Um, you could do a diet change, which I feel like is not commonly used. It's, yeah, it's, it's really effective if the cat likes it and if it cannot get access to any other food. Mm-hmm. So I typically only see owners go for the iodide restrictive diet if they have no other pets in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or small children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then, but it does work. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's on our list, but surgery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. Just yeah. go cut that thyroid out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. those are technically some treatment options. Um, I feel like the most common that people go with is methimazole, which is the pill and or the transdermal. Mm-hmm. So on the ear. Second most common, and they did do it at OSU. I'm not sure if they do it anymore. Oklahoma State um, is the radiation therapy. Um, it It's wild. Yeah. Did you do it in school? We did, yeah. Yeah, the cats, like, would go get their, like, it's an, <laughs> like, injection of... I'm laughing because we're about to like, reveal what. <laughs> to me, it's, like, crazy. It is, yeah. They And then you have to put them in this, like, chamber to prevent irradiation exposure to the nearby humans and or other animals for like 72 hours or something. I forget now. It's been so long. I think they, at OSU, I think they boarded them for weeks. It wasn't weeks. It was days. It was days. But it might have been all week. I don't know. Maybe it was seven days. Yeah. Short, short, long story short, they become radioactive. (laughs) Radioactive. 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 We're going to get yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, after they get treatment, they do the radiation therapy, and then they're radioactive. So like their urine is radioactive, um, and so at OSU they would keep them until they were no longer radioactive. It, when I was in Dallas, uh, don't quote me on this, but there was there was a there was a couple that I think did it, and they did send them home pretty yeah. quickly after, and I think they were like, these are the precautions you have to take. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and you. You have to have special equipment, special locations, special yes. permits, special, special, special. And it's expensive. It's expensive. And um, on top of it all, um, there's always a chance that you'll have to repeat it. Repeat it. And yeah, especially or, if it's a younger cat that's yeah. getting hyperthyroidism, like seven, eight years old. Like you can pretty much bank on you're going to have to do it. And they have to have like no co- comorbidities or like very mild kidney yeah. disease mm-hmm. on top of it. So if they have like. A higher level of kidney disease they're they're not a candidate yeah yeah, yeah so I would say probably 95% end up on either the oral or the topical methimazole mm-hmm. um, which one do you prefer so for treatment not necessarily for ease yeah so I guess I don't it's cat to cat yeah it is cat to cat so my tail I had a, I had a hyperthyroid cat and he was probably about 10 or so when we diagnosed him and I put him on the oral methamazole and he's such a good boy. He would eat his little pill out of in a little chunk of treat, you know, and squish <laughs> around there and he just gobble it right up and it was great. And I recheck him two weeks later and I was like, hmm, that's not better. <laughs> and so I increased his dose and I waited a couple weeks and I rechecked him. I was like, hmm, that's not better. <laughs> and so I put him on the whopping dose and I was like, it's still not better. <laughs> And so I put him on the transdermal, and he responded immediately. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, he was not absorbing and processing that. He didn't have any GI symptoms or anything. Yeah. Now, other cats will get a topical localized irritation from the cream, and so you can't use that with them. Or you have mm-hmm. small children in the house, and you're, like, nervous that they're going to, like, I don't yeah. know, lick the cat ear or whatever. Um, so there's, you know, reasons why you, uh, you know, good pill takers. I have one client that... Um, her cat has been on the pill uh, version of methamazole forever and has done really, really well and is a good pill taker and owner has no trouble giving it. Um, but then she developed IBD as she's age, she, mm-hmm. among other diseases. And um, so we've just recently switched to the topical for that reason. Yeah. And so I, I guess it just depends. Yeah, totally. I think so too. I usually start with a pill. Um, 
and see how they respond to it. And if the owner can give it. If the owner can give it. So I'm usually like, try this. It's cheaper it's not working, to do the pill. Then we'll go to the clicker. Yeah. And the clicker, as you say, are, it's compounded. So you, you really got to try the pill first um, legally. Yeah. Because um, we we have to use drugs that are labeled for and commercially available available before we're allowed to use compounded medications. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, usually, and we don't keep the cream in stock, so you're having, yeah. it's like a week before they can get it shipped from the compounded pharmacy. So usually you're trying the pill for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then if the owner likes it, great. And if not, you go ahead and put through the order for the topical. Yeah, shockingly, most people don't have a problem. And that might be because... The cats are hyperthyroid, so they're just like wanting to eat everything. So you just yeah. drop in a little bit of tree, and then yeah, that's <laughs> they right. Eat it up. But then as you get them regulated, sometimes they're like they're not taking the pill anymore, and then you're like, okay, yeah, we yeah. can talk about maybe transdermal. Yep. Um. So okay, so we start them on their medicine. Um. Now what? Now we, so we have our baseline lab work. We start them on their medicine. We recheck lab work two to four weeks. Um, and we're going to check a total T4 again um, and see if we've brought down that thyroid level, increased dose if needed. And I am a proponent for checking for their kidney values same, again, too. Same, same. Because as you treat, and we always harp this when we diagnose them, as you treat hyperthyroidism, you are going to be lowering their blood pressure. And which so, is a good thing. Which is a good thing. But there might have been. Uh, kidney disease there that wasn't showing up on the lab work because they had great blood flow to their kidneys. It was just squishing it all (laughs) through there. Yeah, and damaging the kidneys because high blood pressure damages your kidneys. And then as you treat, you start to reveal, unmask kidney disease. Yeah, I think it's really important to just circle back over what you said in the sense that we are not creating renal disease mm-hmm. by dropping the blood pressure, but rather we are revealing or unmasking the kidney disease that was already there. Mm-hmm. It's very common to have those two things together, especially because they're commonly found in old cats. Yep, so, exactly. Um, so what's, uh, the, I don't know if you do anything else in regards to this, but I also check BNPs, mm-hmm. um, which is, um, it's a snap test we do in-house. Mm-hmm. You can send it out to a lab for quantitative analysis, but um, it essentially is measuring a stress protein or stretch protein that's released by the heart whenever the heart is in a state of disease or mm-hmm. it has been stretched past its normal capacity. Um, because, again, as we mentioned, we've got a ton of high blood pressure in these hyperthyroid cats. So one of the most common comorbidities for hyperthyroid cats is a disease called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, meaning that the heart muscle has become very, very thick um, in an abnormal state of thickness, um, which then further exacerbates the issue because then as that heart muscle gets thick, the lumen, which is the middle part of the heart that holds the blood, is becoming smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And so it cannot pump as much blood because it can't hold as much blood per time. Mm -hmm. So it has to pump double fast in order to move the same amount of blood. Um, And so you've got this kind of like snowball effect of heart disease that happens and then these these cats are actually really prone that's actually what ended up causing the demise of my cat was his um even though we had his hot thyroid um, well regulated he eventually developed hypertrophic cardiomyopathy yeah. um which, and you can catch murmurs on them too yeah and you know this Sometimes is yeah a whole nother a whole nother topic in general but you can have heart disease with 
no murmur, or you could have a murmur with no heart disease mm-hmm. in cats. It's very infuriating, which is why I love the BMP for screening, because if it's normal, it's probably normal. If it's abnormal, you need to check to see mm-hmm. if there's truly heart disease mm-hmm. present. So a lot of my cats will go on heart medication and um, the thyroid medication at the same time. Yeah. Which the heart medicine can help with kidneys too, so. Yeah, definitely, because it's going to be like an ACE inhibitor. Yep, exactly, and so it's designed to kind of manage both problems at once, which is always handy when you have multiple problems. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, little like thing I mentioned to people when I diagnose them, the cats who are clinical clinical, I'm like, they're not going to just magically, as soon as you start the pill, stop vomiting, start feeling Mm -hmm. completely better. It does take some time. It takes some time. Sometimes they need to be hospitalized for a couple days. Sometimes they just need anti-nausea for a week. And so supportive care is needed um and it's you don't get out of the woods immediately Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to that definitely if they're like really in a bad way um from their thyroid disease and it's probably also worth saying like this is lifelong like Mm -hmm. you're going to manage this for the rest of the cat's life with the you know potential exception of the radiation uh which still can it can still come back mm-hmm. um this is something you just deal with and and they feel so much better they'll immediately go back to group not immediately as you say but you know within a month we're grooming again we're mm-hmm. uh, gaining our weight back they i find hyperthyroid cats walk around a bit like they're achy like mm-hmm. they're on eggshells and they'll start moving better and jumping up and doing things again um and so you can really improve their quality of life very quickly and effectively but it is lifelong management Mm -hmm. definitely definitely but so worth it you know they can go on that thyroid medication and my cat i think was hyperthyroid for four years or so and he i mean he's probably close to 14 when he died so it's always funny to me sometimes when they're like the hyperactive hyperthyroid cats that are like really vocal and like keeping everybody up at night everyone up at night but but also like they have a lot of personality when they're hyperthyroid (laughs) too i've had people be like He's so chill now. Like, he just sleeps all the time. He just sleeps all the time. I'm like, yeah, he We feels have resumed good. normal cat status. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, you don't want that. Yeah, they're just like, they're back. kind of borderline frantic. Yeah. And they do, like, they have a funny, they like that yowl that they do. Yeah. They, they it, just, their eyes just like, are like, ah. <laughs> Same. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> me, when I have an internal medicine case that's gone awry, uh, just slightly yeah. panicked. Um, no, so anyway, yeah, they're relatively straightforward cases. I actually really love getting a hyperthyroid diagnosis because I know exactly what I'm dealing with. I know exactly how to manage it. Mm-hmm. And I know that these cats end up doing pretty well. Yep. And then um, we kind of talked about a gray zone with the hypothyroid where you send off the free T4. There's a gray zone in cats too. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's 2.5 to 4. Or Especially 4. in 4. old cats. Yeah. Because your older cats should be closer to 1, mm-hmm. you know, high 1s, maybe a low 2. Yeah. Um, so if you've got like a 3.8 and, and it's like a 14 yeah. year old cat and they're clinical, yeah, then. Then you maybe will send out that free T4 um, by equilibrium dialysis and see if it's abnormal there. And if it is, then you can perceive a treatment. I've had a couple internal med specialists that I've talked to when I've had cats who are just like borderline high on their, um, they're in the gray zone with their total T4, borderline high on their free um, equilibrium. And like mildly clinical, so like a vomit once every like three weeks. I've had some internal med specialists be like, just check them again in two months or yep, a month. Yeah. And like if they're creeping up, then start treatment, mm-hmm. but don't jump to it yeah. right away. Yeah, I which went to I a found CE. Yeah, there was a, a CEO and <coughs> an um, endocrinologist, and her own cat was the same way. 
And she said, I, I, I checked her every now and again. It took her about almost two years before she was officially yeah. hyperthyroid. Yeah. And they're like, obviously, like, if they become clinical, clinical, like, this is a problem. They're losing weight. Start treatment. But th- if it's an occasional Don't vomit, treat the test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because cats will vomit for a myriad of reasons, like mm-hmm. food intolerance, hairballs, stress, mm-hmm. uh, because they're a cat. You know, they just... <laughs> So you can't use that alone. Yeah. Um, the last thing I, I think I wanted to say about hyperthyroidism is um, what we do know about risk factors. Um, so is I think it's really interesting. For starters, we see it almost exclusively in indoor cats, but that may just be because only indoor cats are getting checked and evaluated <laughs> or living long enough to develop hyperthyroidism. Mm-hmm. But it is um, proven that cats that eat wet food from the pop-top canned foods are five times more likely to develop hyperthyroidism. Now, my cat never had canned food in his life. He didn't like it. He didn't want it. I wasn't going to deal with it. And so um, he ate dry food. And and so 25% of cats with hyperthyroidism are strictly on dry food. So we don't really know what else is going on there. But it is worth saying that we do believe diet plays a role in it. Um, we do believe that there's a strong correlation with the pop-top canned foods and increased incidence of hyperthyroidism. So, um, and they're always, yeah, and they're always old yeah. cats. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you don't really see this in young cats. Mm-hmm. No. So. I think the youngest I've had is maybe eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I've seen one before eight. No. No, 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 no. And usually they're, you know, 10, 11, yeah. 12, 14. Here's a tale. It's a weird case, but it was like I was a year out from school. This is a dog with hyperthyroidism. It was a year out from school and I walked into a room and the dog was just like leaping on me and its eyes were like bugged out like we were talking about the cats who are hyperthyroid. Yeah. It was just frantic and it was so skinny and I was just like and it was dropping hair and I was just like what? And I cats will get something called a thyroid slip which is where their thyroid is bigger and you just run your fingers over their neck and you can kind of feel it slip like, between yeah. your fingers yeah slide in the neck and i did it on the dog and i went oh my gosh <laughs> i went oh no and so i was like can i do a thyroid test and she was like yeah he's been losing weight for a long time i was like okay run and did it like 20 or 15 and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> where's the textbook <laughs> uh, yeah and i was like well sadly there's only one reason why yeah. this is happening and he was so young too right yeah yeah he was like five and so I, I went to her and I was like, here's a warmer rammer, which they're... Weimar Reiner? Weimar, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, say it again. Weimar Reiner? Weimar Reiner. If you bring one <laughs> no, of those... Weimar Reiner. Weimar Reiner. No, there's no rhyming. It's rhyming like a watermelon. <laughs> Weimar Reiner. If you bring one of those W dogs here, I'm not going to say the breed. Uh, aren't you a pretty kid? <laughs> yeah, you're so cute. Um... And so he was already, because they're, they're pretty frantic, but it was like another level. And I sadly had to go in there and, and talk to mom. And I actually aspirated this. I was going to say, I thought you did. Confirmed mm-hmm. it with cytology. And I confirmed it with cytology, and then we referred to oncology. To see if they could remove it. Because that would be a time where surgical yes. removal would be warranted. They definitely go and remove those. Yeah, so I've, I've definitely had some cats with thyroid carcinomas, um, but I personally have not had a dog. Yeah. It's so interesting. I've had two because I had one here. Um, and it's interesting because with, with thyroid carcinoma in dogs, most of the time they're not, they don't produce the thyroid hormone. So a lot of times they're not hyperthyroid. But the, uh, the first one I had was, 
the most recent one um, was not producing yeah. any. Yeah, and that was a thyroid carcinoma converted by cytology. Yeah, and then you have the parathyroid, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, that's a whole nother... Calcium yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. A tiny little uh, dot at the bottom of the exclamation point is mm-hmm. the way I think of the parathyroid gland. I've had and those, one. Yeah, those are surgical recommendation if you get a hyperparathyroidism mm-hmm. case because it's usually neoplastic. Yep, 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 yep. So anyway, there's a crash course on the thyroid. Mm-hmm. Yay. You guys feel educated? <laughs> I feel somewhat overwhelmed myself. Uh, and I slightly like impressed at the amount of information we just store <laughs> up in our little noggins yeah. <laughs> at any given time. Uh, okay, cool. So um, if you have any questions, if you think your pet might have a thyroid condition, <laughs> give us a holler. We'll sort it out for you. It's no- nothing to it. Really, yeah. it's a snap. It's a very easy test for us to run. It actually is. It actually is. To rule it in or out, and then, you know, if we have to pursue that further, we obviously can. Yeah. Thyroid or chubby dog. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like a game show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, next time we'll talk about the adrenal gland. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Ugh. It's, oh, (laughs) that's a doozy. The thyroid starts to look like your, your, like, sweet little cousin compared to the like (laughs) i don't know what the analogy uh end of that would be but like some some evil scary lurking mean the adrenal is mean it's it's like the progression through the harry potter books (laughs) you know like the adrenal gland is like is like books yes and um what's what's the first one um sorcerer's stone okay there's your thyroid for you (laughs) so It's just like childlike. Easy. Yes. Yeah. No one's necessarily gonna die. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> get to the there's still horcruxes, but you know. <laughs> you get to the eighth book and. Yeah, it's getting scary. It's getting scary. All right, that's enough from us. We're gonna quit prattling, and you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks for sticking with us. Bye. Bye.